Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. Father, we thank you. Be glorified tonight. We thank you, Father. I ask that this will be the best service on planet Earth tonight. I ask that you would unfold your word, the mystery to your servants, your handmaidens, the prophets and prophetesses of where we are, what hour we're in. And we thank you for it. Let it bring encouragement. Let it bring a renewed strength and zeal. Let it bring a renewed vision and, and a clarity and a focus in this hour. Hallelujah. That we can throw our entire being, hallelujah, into what you're doing. And we thank you for the privilege, Father. We thank you for the privilege of being part of those 7,000 have not bowed their knee to Baal, nor kissed him on the lips. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the courage to drink the water, but also look up and be part of that 300. Hallelujah. <laughs> I thank you for your angels that are here tonight, Father. I, can, I feel your special messengers in, in this room tonight. I thank you for the chariots of God circled and parked around this place tonight. I thank you for revealing to us what you're doing in this last hour. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's begin tonight in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 1. And uh, thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. As I said, there will be parts and pieces of this I've not jumped into except my own personal study, but I pray that everybody here has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 7. On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah the prophet, the son of Bechariah, the son of Edu, as follows. I saw at night, I just had this, just come to me just now, you know, it's God, it's not, the local church is not called to be run by pastors. They're called to be run by the apostles and prophets. And the word pastor is not used very much in the New Testament. Um, apostles and prophets are supposed to run the local church. They're the ones that receive the downloads from the mainframe, hallelujah, of heaven. Amen. In verse 8, I saw at night, and behold, a man was riding on a red horse, and he was standing among the myrtle trees which were in the ravine with red sorrel and white horses behind him. And then I said, My Lord, what are these? And the angel who was speaking with me said, I will show you what these are. And the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, said, These are those whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. A little Hebrew is to walk to and fro, to walk back and forth throughout the earth. So we see in the last days that there is patrols of heaven. Hallelujah. Yes. And they're here tonight. Hallelujah. Now, we've been in meetings before where they show up. Hallelujah. 
And there's just an electricity of expectancy that hits me, kind of like static cling hits, <laughs> hits your shirts when you try to pull the fabric softener off of, as you pull it out of the dryer. Hallelujah. And there's just something that shows up, and they're here tonight. Now, this word patrol here is used also of the eyes of the Lord in Second Chronicles 16.9, that the eyes of the Lord patrol to and fro throughout the whole earth. So we see not only there's the eyes of the Lord patrolling, but also we see patrolling spirits. We see recon. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. We see patrols from heaven. Hallelujah. One thing we must understand that there's a lot of covenant names given by God for our edification and encouragement. Jehovah Rapha, Adonai Raphaim, the Lord our Hebrew, Adonai Zikani, the Lord our righteousness, etc., etc. But there's one name that's given that was never used in the first five books of Moses. There was one name that was given that for most part of Israel's history they ever knew, never even knew about. It only appears in great context, bulks of the context of the last days of the 8th century prophets. And it's called Adonai Tzvaot, or the Lord of the armies of heaven. And that's however what they, the angels all around the throne, Isaiah 6 says, Kadosh, 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 Adonai Tzvaot. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of the armies of heaven. Now the armies of heaven are not a bunch of you know, Michelangelo paintings with a bunch of fat babies with wings on their back, you know, fluttering around the throne of God. Hallelujah. We're talking about warrior beings, folks. Come on. Amen. We're talking about things that, that will, will mind-boggle you and scare the snot out of you when you see them. Hallelujah. And every time an angel appears like that, they say, fear not. Why? Because the people are pretty, pretty terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and so the first time it's used is when David, is actually when they go to battle. Uh, Eli's sons, you know, are living a lifestyle that's against what God says, and, and, and the Philistines come up to war, and they take the, the ark of God out to battle and get a good old country whooping. I tell you. And they thought they can go out to battle and use God's name out on Ides vote on the, you know, the Lord of hosts, and they got whooped big time. Remember that story? Yeah. And so what happens next is David uses it. And David, you know, trains himself as a shepherd spending time with the Lord, the lion and the bear first, hallelujah. And then when the Philistine comes, the giant, that he says, listen, you, you have defied the armies of the living God. Hey, buddy, you're roadkill. Tomorrow I'm taking your head off. I'm feeding you to the birds of the sky because you have defied the armies of God. And it says that David ran to meet the giant, hallelujah. And we see Psalms 23 you know, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down on green pastures or green carpet, and there he renews my mind, will, emotions, right? Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and we thank God for that. But we need to read the next chapter, chapter 24. Who's the king of glory? The Lord, mighty and strong in battle. He's the king of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so thank God for the imagery of Jesus being the shepherd. He is that. Hallelujah. But he's not coming back on a donkey. Hallelujah. He's coming back on a white war horse. He's not coming back to work with the United Nations. Excuse me, the United Nothing. <laughs> He's coming to do war. Yes. And so we see a proliferation of this word, this covenant name, the Lord of the armies of heaven, whenever the glory is talked about in the Old Testament. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. 
the latter glory will be greater than the former. Haggai chapter 2 says the Lord of the armies of heaven. Hallelujah. Then James picks up on it when talking about the last day transfer of wealth, James 5. He says those who mow your fields, you know, or those who service and market your products. Come on, hallelujah. And you withheld their pay from them. You've been ripping off their 401ks, et cetera, et cetera. And the cries of those who did your harvesting have reached the ears of Adonai, Svaot. Hallelujah. And so we're talking about a last day uh, um, exciting conflict coming up. Hallelujah. Are you with me, folks? Time to lock and load. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so we see here in Zechariah, in verse 10, that there's patrollers. I don't know about you, man, but this gets me excited. This is better than any science fiction garbage out there. Hallelujah. This is better than any fantasy out there. Hallelujah. This is better than sports and NFL and all those golden calf activities. Thank you for your enthusiasm on that. <laughs> This is something to sink your teeth into. In verse 11, they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees. And they said, we have patrolled the earth and behold, all is peaceful and quiet. They so great. Everything's going great. You know, night security guard. Everything's great. You know, sit back and drink, you know, and drink my cappuccino and, you know, read the Wall Street Journal, whatever, or the Daily News and hang out. Everything's fine. What's the big problem? No, 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 no. That's the problem. Everything is peaceful and quiet. And then the angel says, hey, O Lord of the armies of heaven, how long we have no compassion for Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, which you've been indignant these 70 years. Suddenly the angel of the Lord, or the patrolling spirits, asked the angel, hey, hey, Lord, what about Jeremiah's prophecy? Things are too quiet. It's time to get some movement here. The only movement we're hearing is people's heads falling and hitting the pews on a Sunday morning. As they fall asleep during the Reader's Digest message. <laughs> Things are too quiet in God's camp. How much longer must we wait for the fulfillment of the prophetic words you have spoken through the prophets? And those patrolling spirits come around people that begin to stir themselves up and say, Abba, it's written. Hallelujah. Abba, it's written. Hallelujah. I like it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And verse 13, the angel, the Lord answered the angel who was speaking with me with gracious and comforting words. God always comforts us. I love it. And the angel who was speaking with me said, proclaim, saying, thus says the Lord of the army, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. We studied about the jealousy of the Lord, the mystery of the bridal fires. But I'm very angry with the nations who are at ease. While I was a little angry, they furthered the disaster. Come on. God's pretty upset with the media. You know, God has used the media to, you know, proclaim on the housetop things that are happening behind the scenes. Men and women of God, they don't have on their armor. The first armor is the belt of truth, belt of honesty. Come on, hallelujah. If you don't got that thing on your armor, don't, you know, this falls off, man. And I, I just like to say this, you know, if you can't keep your Levi's on, you can't be a Levite. I think you understand what I'm trying to say. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. 
Basic training here. Come on. Hallelujah. You don't drop your pants in battle. And you don't turn your back on the enemy. There's no weaponry on the backside of your armor. So let's get all the yellow bellies out now. Hallelujah. So we can go to battle. Verse 16, my house will be built in it, declares the Lord, and the measuring line or the plumb line will be stretched over Jerusalem. My cities, verse 17, will again flow with prosperity, and I will comfort Zion. So what's happening here is the patrolling spirits are asking the Lord, when are the Jewish people leaving Babylon and coming back? Hallelujah. And so we see the patrolling spirits are out there looking for people to stir themselves up. In chapter 3, in verse 8, now listen, Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you. Indeed, they are men who are assembled. For behold, I'm going to bring in my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua on one stone are seven eyes. Very interesting. Seven eyes. Chapter 4, verse 1. He awakened me from sleep. Listen. The angel who was speaking with me returned and roused the man who was awakened from his sleep. This guy's having a full-blown visitation and still has to be woken up. Wow. <laughs> and it talks about these olive branches. And the angel asked, what are these? He said, I don't know. What are these, my Lord? And verse 6 he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord, as Zerubbabel saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my ruach, by my pneuma, by my breath, my wind, my spirit, says the Lord of the fat babies. Are, no, the Lord of the armies of heaven. So, you know, Paul comes to the Corinthian bunch, and the Corinthian bunch moved in the gifts of the spirit. But Paul said, hey, listen, you guys, you need to go back to elementary teaching. I wanted to come and speak to you as spiritual, but I had to speak to you as babes. And the word spiritual there is pneumatikos in the Greek, which means people who are exposed to the wind. Pneuma, breath, spirit, wind, the same word as ruach in Hebrew. Hallelujah. Paul says, listen, I wanted, you're moving and all the gifts as we have come behind him. Any gift. And I wanted to speak to you as people that understood this realm, but you didn't understand it. And so what is happening is our God is raising up outside institutional churchianity. God is raising up people who are exposed to the wind that are windward. Because everything he does is by his wind. And one thing you have to, especially the folks that are in charge of the meetings here, you guys really have to keep your eye out. Because whenever, God told me this, he says, when you do spirit-led meetings like this, he says, when my updraft begins to kick in, watch out for witchcraft. Amen. And witchcraft not necessarily is a witch or somebody in the place. It's just one of the fruits of the spirit, I mean, of the flesh, Galatians 5, witchcraft or control. What happens is when the spirit of God gets moving and people want to jump off into their own, situ- their own thing or give a word when it's not time, you know, or do this or do that. Come on. Mm-hmm. 
And you have to just, you know, the enemy is scared of the movement of the wind. Because everything God does is by his spirit. And they want to stop the move of the spirit. And the second thing that happens is your flesh will get on. Come on. And so you just got to pick up your cross and die. <laughs> Come on, folks. Come on. Verse 10. For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad. What seven? The seven eyes. Are you with me? Now listen. When they'll be glad when they see the plumb line and the hand is Zerubbabel. So could it be that what God does by his spirit, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, hallelujah, is what the angels, the patrolling spirits are looking for, is God coming in and putting up separating measuring line, a plumb line by his spirit on the threshing floor, his grain floor of his house, and he is separating the wheat from the chaff right now. Hallelujah. And where you can get sad about the process, God is happy about the process. Hallelujah. And verse 11, and then it says, these are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the earth. So now we got God's eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth. We have the patrolling spirits that go to range to and fro throughout the earth. And now we have these eyes. And what are these eyes? These eyes, if you read through it, is the lampstand of each local church. Then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left? And I answered the second time, what are the two olive branches which are besides the two golden pipes which empty the golden oil from themselves? And he answered me saying, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. He said, these are the two anointed ones standing before the Lord of the whole earth. And the original Hebrew, the margin of the New American Standard, which I like, that's why I like this translation. It says literally, these are the sons of fresh oil. Come on, man. We can break that ice and go swimming right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> so you can be involved in institutionalized, okay, Christianity. Or you can come outside the old wineskin. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And if you're not sure how to get out of it, we'll just start sowing a new patch. Hallelujah. Or start bringing new wine into that thing, and you'll see some holes bust open. And don't sit there and try to figure out how to repair the hole. Run out through that opening God has opened for you. Because it shows now that everything God is doing now is not just the patrolling spirits. It's not just by His Spirit. It's now centered through the sons and daughters of fresh oil. And how do you get oil? Last night we studied the olive had to be crushed. And what is the olive press in Aramaic? Gethsemane. Hallelujah. And so I don't know about you. Hallelujah. I don't know about what kind of Billy Bob you are. Hallelujah. But I know I'm an Okie from Muskogee. Hallelujah. I know. Hallelujah. 
I'm simple just like you are. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you something. I am running toward the battle line. Hallelujah. And I'm letting the plumb lines drop so close, hallelujah, that it hits me in the heels and pushes me forward. Hallelujah. I'm not looking in the rearview mirror anymore. Hallelujah. Because I feel his updraft coming, and it's bringing me higher up into him. Hallelujah. And it's bringing me into a place of Gethsemane. Hallelujah. Where you think you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. No, folks. It's the, it's the camouflage entrance into the new thing God has for you. And you can read chapter 5 about the flying scroll, man. That'll freak you out. Hallelujah. But let's go to chapter 6. <laughs> and verse 5. Well, verse 4. And I spoke and said to the angel who was speaking to me, What are these, my Lord? And the angel said to me, These are the four spirits of heaven who go forth standing before the Lord of all the earth. Now we got an end of the equation now. Four different spirits of God. Don't try to figure it out. These things are not taught. They are caught. Hallelujah. Don't try to figure out the velocity and how many knots are blowing. Just throw up your cell. Hallelujah. You're saying, Brother Scott, what should we do? Well, what you need to do is go down there and get on your catamaran down there. Hallelujah. On the Hudson River and just start, just take it out, man. Just take it all the way down to the New York Harbor and don't stop at Macy's. Just keep on going, okay? <laughs> keep on going until you get out there and you miss the last, you bypass the last navigational buoy. Hallelujah. And you get out into the Gulf Stream, into the deep swells, okay? <laughs> okay? <laughs> And keep on going until you run out of gas. And then once you run out of gas, go over and take the floaty off the key, take it out of the ignition, and throw the key overboard. Rip off your GPS, hallelujah, your navigation, your radio, hallelujah, throw it overboard, hallelujah. Your ham radio and your canned ham, hallelujah, throw that overboard. Take your navigation charts, everything. Hallelujah. Throw it overboard. Go to the back. Take those wing nuts. Hallelujah. Take them off. Kick your outboard motors. Overboard. Hallelujah. Get out your Gore-Tex rain jacket. Put up a sail. Hallelujah. Get your hands off the steering wheel and go sit in the bow of the boat and enjoy the ride. Because God wants, come on, folks, some of you don't like this. You're going to have to do it. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want to flow in this realm. Hallelujah. And now the wind becomes your captain, your navigator, and your propellant. And let him take you where he wants you to go. Take your hands off the steering wheel. Go like this. Hallelujah. Come on, go like this. Slap your hand. No, no. Here we go, man. And by the way, throw the anchor overboard wire at it. 
<laughs> and so it, it talks now about these. <laughs> I love Monday night services. I do. <laughs> of all the years, Monday night's my favorite. Because the hungry folks come. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! And in verse 7, when the strong ones went out. What strong ones? The four winds. The four spirits. Folks, this thing ain't about run, die, shun, die. A little tongue here and there, a little Sunday service, a little Bible study. Come on. A little Christian video and radio. Come on. Hallelujah. This thing is bigger than you can imagine. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you. I'm Jewish. Hallelujah. I'm into long-range investments. Hallelujah. And I've, I, man, I came on, the, on the, the, the cusp, on the precipice when I saw the glory realm when I was 18 years old. And I said, I want that. Hallelujah. And I decided to go take the bungee jump. I don't even care if there's a, anything around my ankle or not. I've taken the NST plunge all the way into him. Hallelujah. Yeah. And when I thought I had reached it, I, man, I just, dear Lord, there's so much more. It's exceedingly abundant to be all you can ask, think, drink, or imagine. Verse 7, when the strong ones went out, they were eager to go to patrol the earth. And he said, go patrol the earth. So they patrolled the earth. So we got the eyes of the Lord. We got these patrolling recon groups. We got the eyes patrolling, which are the local church, the lampstand on the eyes. Hallelujah. Remember the seven churches or the seven lampstands Jesus walks among Revelation 1? Hallelujah. And now we got the four winds. Hallelujah. They patrol also, man. We got massive movement up there in the heavenlies right now. Hallelujah. Don't tell me there's nothing going on in this area. Don't tell me the heavens are shut up like brass and this is the witchcraft headquarters. How many headquarters does he have? (laughs) I like this part, man. This is really cool. And it says in verse 10, take an offering from the exiles. I didn't hear any shouting on that one. Come on, that's your blessing right there. Hallelujah. That's how you get involved in this. God wanted an offering. Do you know why? Because he only comes, he only shows up where people have a willing heart. And the main artery from your heart is right to your back wallet. Hallelujah. Come on, get over it, man. Come on. Quit, quit squeezing GW until he starts crying. Come on, let him go. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, George Washington, you know? Now, so with that being said... Go to Revelation chapter 7 now. (laughs) 
Sounds like Moses and Miriam. Get out your tambourine. saying, what happened to her? Well, she turned the dial in her heart from 400 degrees to self-cleaning. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so we come into the book of Revelation now. There was a blessing on reading that. You're going to get blessed tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> And so we see Jesus, you know, we don't see him all, you know, um, we don't see him camouflaged in human form in Revelation chapter 1. And what we need to do in this hour, I mean, thank God for the images of what we think Jesus looked like, right? You know what I'm saying? But he's not coming back as those pictures nice people try to draw of him. He's really coming back as Revelation chapter 1. That'll give you a perm right there. Hallelujah. (laughs) I mean, he's coming. I mean, that's what the enemy saw. We know who you are. Shack it and come out. Hallelujah. That's what he said. You know, he didn't say, be thou quiet. He used the Hebrew word, shack it. Now, what is shack it used for? Well, You're in Israel, and the cats are fighting, and the dogs are fighting outside the trash can. You open up the lattice and say, shack it! And that's what Jesus did. He said, shack it! And he didn't say, bavakashah either, hallelujah, shut up and come out! Because they knew who he was. And blessed are those who believe but haven't seen, hallelujah. And Peter, James, and John, man, the three amigos, I tell you, they're on the mountaintop. They saw Jesus transfigured in all his glory. Hallelujah. But a few months, a few weeks later, they fall asleep because of sorrow we studied last night. I ain't going to fall asleep with sorrow in this hour. And so you can read through, you know, Revelations, the first three chapters about the seven churches, you know? And if a shoe fits, wear it. Hallelujah. And then chapter 4 kicks in, and he says, I hear the sound, Amplified says, I hear the sound of a war trumpet speaking with me. Now, listen, folks, we're going to hear a trumpet. And before the last shofar is blown in the dead in Christ, there's about a lot, a plethora of trumpets going to be sounded. Depends on which one you're going to respond to. I want to respond to Revelation 4.1 trumpet, not the seven trumpets later on. I don't want to be on the receiving end of those other trumpets, okay? 
And don't you believe, I believe it, that there's a trumpet blowing this hour. Hallelujah. And this is what Paul was trying to say to the Corinthian group and everybody else. He's saying, Revelation 4.1, And after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice I heard was like the sound of a trumpet amplified. It says, war trumpet, speaking with me, saying, come up. And I will show you what must take place after these things. That means we're not going to be hidden in the dark. Hallelujah. That means we're not going to wander around like we're a hamburger short of a Happy Meal. Come on, hallelujah. That means the elevators are on the top floor. Hallelujah. That means the light bulb's going to come on. We're going to have direction in these last days. That gets me excited. Hallelujah. And I want to go up higher. And what you have to do tonight is recognize that you have to go through this door. Hallelujah. And as you go through that door, it says in, in, in Genesis 4 that sin is crouching at the door. And it wants to master you, but you must overcome it. And so whenever you're about to enter into a new thing God has for you, sin is there. And you have to make a decision to unravel yourself from that pleasure or go after that pleasure. Get off of it. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. And you go up through this next this new door. You say, where's the door? It's in your heart. Revelation 3 says, I stand at the door and knock. We have to ask ourselves some questions. What's Jesus doing outside knocking? Number two, why doesn't somebody open the door? <laughs> and how do you open up the door? Hallelujah. Honesty, truth. He is the door. Hallelujah. And so here is the door. As you repent, as you change, hallelujah, Jesus who is the door, glory to God, into a different time zone. I love it. Come on. Hallelujah. As you repent, you step up into a door. You step into Jesus, into a new realm. Hallelujah. And you begin to walk up and begin to ascend as a people of the wind, people of the pneuma, of the ruach. Hallelujah. Now, don't miss it. Don't miss out on this because Nicodemus almost missed out on it. You know why? He was a teacher of Israel. He was a rabbi. I mean, he, he was a seminary leader of his day. Hallelujah. And he said, you know, you must be born from above. How can you enter mother's womb is, what, what are you talking about, born from above? And Jesus goes back, it's like, the wind blows where, you don't know where it's come from or where it's going, so was everyone born of this realm. They say, oh, I still don't understand that. How can you touch the wind? And, come on, let's wake up here. Come on. He would have memorized that since he was five years old. It's from Genesis. God came to Adam, Genesis 3, and what? The cool of the day. Remember that? What's the cool of the day? In Hebrew, it's the ruach of the day. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking, patrolling the earth. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. Ranging to and fro. They heard him walking in the garden, not during the most delicious, uh, delightful temperature time of the day. No, during the ruach, the pneuma, the breeze, the wind of the day. Nicodemus, you understand these things? I want to understand it. Go like this. Come on, go like that. Say, Lord, let your guillotine drop on my brainstem. <laughs> 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 
Okay, go like this. Lord, give me a frontal lobotomy. Hallelujah. In the spirit, that is. <laughs> Let my mind decrease that I may open up my spirit that is in this realm, hallelujah, of the wind. I'm born of that place. You say, well, that's kind of deep and mystical. No, it's not. It's real simple. I guarantee you every day, whether it be at night or in the morning, that God comes to you and says, pray and spend time with me. And if it doesn't happen, you need to get saved. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. There is a window every day that God comes walking through your garden. Hallelujah. And all you got to do is hang out with them. Because, you know, you'll be metamorphosized. You'll be transfigured. You'll go from a tadpole to a bullfrog. Hallelujah. Caterpillar to a butterfly. Just hanging out with him. We need people with PhDs that have in that realm. Hallelujah. Instead of the piled higher and deeper seminary degrees. All seminary degrees do is help you, teach you how to embalm the dead. Anyway, how to keep it. How to keep the wax museum from melting. That's all I learned in seminary. Fire in the wax museum. Hallelujah. That's why I'm just so excited, man. I feel like a, I feel like a mouse in a cheese factory. I feel like a porpoise that just escaped from SeaWorld. Hallelujah. I feel like a little kid with my dad's platinum credit card heading to Toys R Us. Hallelujah. <laughs> no more dead, dry, windless, breathless, dead, institutional religion. None more mummy religion. Something fresh is happening. So what's happening? The wind's blowing you into Gethsemane. That's what's happening. Wake up. God's saying, okay, we got a couple down there. Okay, Gabriel, you take him at the shoulders. I'll take him at the knees. Here we go. <laughs> you ever feel like you're out there twisted in the wind? <laughs> yeah, I'm in the wilderness, brother. Good, God's getting the wild out of you. Hallelujah. It says Jesus was filled with the Spirit. And what did the Spirit do next? Bring him into Galilee ministry of revival? No. The Spirit threw him. Ikbalo, it's the same word used of casting out demons. You drive them out. The Spirit drove Jesus into the desert to be, uh, you know, sauna, you know, holiday. Hot oil, body massage, you know, iced tea, dates and mangoes. And then he returned in the power of the Spirit. 
These things are not taught, they're caught. Come up here, I'll show you what must take place. God wants, this is the, the message today. God wants you, about the mystery of God, put it down. God wants to show us what's about to take place. Immediately, verse 2, I was in the wind. I was in his breath. I was in his spirit. I like the suddenlies of God, don't you? Hallelujah. I'm no different than you. I have a friend, you know, that we're involved in ministry together. And, and we were, he came over, I came over to his apartment and we were praying. We both were living in New York City, so to speak, and, and he asked me to come over and pray with him. And we, I, I kneeled down in his apartment at his, by his sofa and began to pray with him about God's will for his life. And, and um, suddenly I saw myself on top of the Arizona Bridge. And it was a hot, humid, you know, August day in Brooklyn, you know, the sticky day, you know what I'm saying? And I saw the harbor and it was just, you could see the humidity rising off the ocean, it's like, Yuck, one of those yucky days, you know? You could see the layer of smog, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> you know, there is a city that way, you know? Okay. <laughs> and I'm on top of the Arizona Bridge, and I see all these boats below me in the water. And some are, like, it looks like they're winterized. They have their anchors down. The sails are wrapped up. Looks like they're winterized. They're not expecting any wind. But I saw one boat in the harbor that had its full sails up. They had the captain standing there by the wheel. They had all the mates there. Everybody was like acting like the wind is getting ready to happen any second. And over my shoulder came the wind of the Spirit. And it hit those boats, and they began to rock. But the boat, come on, folks, hallelujah. The boat that had its sail up as though it was anticipating the wind did not rock. Hallelujah. It just whoosh, took off. And this dear brother to this day is still trying to figure out God's call for his life. I was like, brother, you, can't, you don't figure it out. Just put up your sails and let him blow you where he wants you to go. When I tell my girl Ronita on the stairs, she's halfway up the stairs, I tell her to jump. She doesn't say, hmm, are you able to catch this gravitational force of my 35 pounds? Are you able to catch? Come on. She just like, ah. She doesn't figure it out. She enjoys the flight. <laughs> she doesn't think about hitting the floor. But Lord, what about this? What about if I quit my job? What about God? You tell me to, you know, go and be a missionary. Uh, what, what about this? what about this? God's going. Okay, next. next. Anybody got something next here? Next. Put them over there. Next. Put them in the corner. <laughs> Come on, folks. You say, well. That sounds like presumption. Well, not really. Hallelujah. Now I don't have time to talk about all the presumption, what is faith, what is presumption. But if God tells you to do something, I mean, he'll open the door. Hallelujah. Yes. 
And you just need, you, you know when he tells you to do something, you need to do it. And uh, he'll take care of you. I mean, the worst thing could happen would be the best thing. I mean, you go to Haiti and you starve to death and die and go to heaven. I mean, what's the big deal? What is so bad about that? And so what happens? Immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. And he was sitting like a jasper stone, sardis in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like emerald in appearance. Whoa! Verse 5, and from the throne proceeded flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning. That is the seven lamps we just talked about in Zechariah. Hallelujah. And what's burning? Hallelujah, the sons of fresh oil. Welcome to the barbecue. Hallelujah. Which are the seven spirits of God before the throne. There is a sea of glass. Folks, you just read it, man. It's awesome. So God starts showing these seals. Seals that are going to be broken open. Hallelujah. I like those archives of heaven. Go to chapter 7 now. There's an interlude. Now, I'm not trying to piece together the chronology of this eschatological literature which speaks in symbols and signs. I'm just trying to weave together some things in here about what God wants us to know right now. Hallelujah. And it says here in verse 12 well verse 10 is good. I really like it. And they cry out with a loud voice saying salvation to our God and to who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, might, do be our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the an- elders answered me and said, "These are who, saying to me, these are those who are clothed with white robes. Who are they? And from where they come? And I said to him, my Lord, now you know. And he said, isn't it interesting that angels and these guys always ask me, who are these? They're asking us the question. Like, we should know already. These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne shall spread His tabernacle over them. He's spreading His wedding canopy over us. The bridal fire. Hallelujah. They shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst anymore, neither shall the sun beat down on them, neither any heat. Verse 17 is what the Lord spoke to me, what he is doing. You say, what is the new wineskin God is doing right now? Well, the scripture I got, what God is doing right now, is he's taking his bride outside of institutional religion. That have set up huge barriers to the wind of God moving. Why? Because the wind of God is spooky to those who don't understand it. I'm serious. 
You know, and I'm not trying to say this is a slam thing against anybody. Let's just let's assess troop strength, okay? Um, come on, you know my heart here. I don't have an axe to grind with anybody. But I like to say, why aren't more of the leaders in the body of Messiah, men and women, moving forward with God? Amen. Come on. Amen. Why is it there, why we have a lot of teachers and not many fathers out there? Hallelujah. Where's the fathers that can teach us these realms? And keep their Levi's on at the same time. Hallelujah. There's not a whole lot of them out there. I feel like Joshua and Caleb in the 39th year of the wilderness march. And they're saying, bless God, 12 more months. And their carcasses are dropping and we're going in. We've been waiting 40 years for this day. For these meatheads. To get out of the way. <laughs> We're well able to take out. You know, David killed a giant. You know, Caleb went to Hebron and killed three giants at 80 years of age. I don't know what a bigger, bigger miracle is, Caleb or David. If you're retired out there, it's time to refire. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen, sister. We need some Eddie or we need some Calebites out here. <laughs> Saying, come here, little young ones, come here. Let me teach you how to lock and load. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, God, God took care of the people. But they kept on making a right hand turn every few months. He took care of them. He's gracious. No problem. But they're in a holding pattern until they drop dead. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've been doing a lot of traveling throughout the church in North America. And I'm saying that, you know, unless some people get to sit on a burning bush pretty quick here, they're going into a holding pattern. (laughs) And so we've just had to endure. We've had to endure the glacial, slow mass of indifferent nobodies that don't want to go forward with God. Because the things of God are not stopped by the hot assaults of the devil, but by the glacial mass of indifferent nobodies. Well, God, melt the permafrost. That's not hard. Just let him die and go to heaven. What's the big deal? Get out of the way, please. Give us the baton. Quit merchandise the anointing. Don't get me going here. (laughs) When I'm in that sweet spot of worship, please don't elevate the announcements and the bulletin higher than that sweet spot I'm in.
And please quit preaching the same sermon you preached last year at the same time that you pulled out of your file box and then give me leftovers at the end of the service again trying to get back to the move of God. I'm tired of breathing dust. There's a chair has already gone by. I'm tired of getting out of my dental floss and taking the sand out of my teeth. I'm tired of you going into the river of God, Ezekiel 34, going out into the river of God and only going so deep as your feet are still on the bottom of the ground, you're kicking up all the dirt and us sheep got to come behind you and drink dirty waters. Please go into the deep waters like you don't touch the bottom and kick up the sediment and I can drink pure water, please. And please quit building a swimming dock for us to come back into the river, a bank we came in on. I want the river to take me downstream, please. And quit telling me all these suds and bubbles around my face is a move of God. It's an eddy and the foam of the litter. If you're in the river, then swim, swim. Revelation 7, verse 17 is what the Lord told me he's doing right now. And the, Lord, the lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd. And shall guide them to the springs of the waters of life, and God shall wipe every tear from their eyes. And that's what these meetings are all about. Hallelujah. These meetings are all about us letting Jesus be the shepherd. And letting him wipe our tears. Hallelujah. And drink of the aquifers of heaven. And chapter 8. Then he broke the seventh seal and there was silence in heaven. We're going to need the Lord to wipe our tears and get us really intoxicated, bloated. Hallelujah. <laughs> We've been dehydrated through religion. Hallelujah. Yes. To get us to a place to be able to hear what he's saying when the seventh seal is broken and there's silence. And I saw the seven angels stand before God with seven shofars given to him. I'm telling you, I don't want to be at that end of those shofars, okay? And then the angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer. Much incense was given to him that he might add to it the prayers of all the saints before the golden altar, which is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense were the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Listen, folks. Then the angel took the censer. What's in the censer? It's the prayers of the sons and daughters of fresh oil. Hallelujah. He took that censer, filled it with fire. Oh, the bridal fire, and threw it to the earth, and there was peals of thunder, sounds, flashes, lightnings, and an earthquake. I like this stuff. 
And the seven angels who had seven shofars prepared to sound them. And you can read about that later. Hallelujah. We were at, um, at your place on Saturday night. And I saw something I'd never seen before. Don't you like that? 9-11. Look at Revelation 9-11. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek he is Apollyon, destroyer. Now, I don't understand the all multifaceted thing of what God's saying through science symbols, eschatological literature, that we catch a little refraction of light here and there. Hallelujah from this diamond. Let me tell you something, folks. The destroyer is on the move. Why? Because he sees the heightened activity of the four spirits and the patrolling spirits and the sons in fresh oil and the eyes of the Lord. Come on, folks. And they're marching to and fro throughout the earth. Why does he know that? Because he marched to and fro throughout the earth and Job's day and came before the throne of God and says, ah, I see Job down there. And the, the destroyer is going through the earth also. And he's bumping into these patrols. He sees activity going on. Why? Because people are beginning to pray. The remnant's beginning to get hungry. And what's the thing he's doing right now? He's releasing out of his mouth a flood of deception in the earth. You read it. Chapter 10. Don't be scared. Greater is he that is in me. We think God's the only one walking through the earth. The enemy's going like a, like a roaring lion. Looking for an entrance. How do, what kind of entrance does he do? He puts out a snare. Oh, let's turn to it real quick. Keep your finger in Revelation. Go to Peter. I mean, Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 24, verse 23. Well, actually, verse 19. <laughs> I like it, man. Second Timothy 2, 19. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands to seal. The Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. If you've done something wicked, get over it, repent, let the angel touch your lip, cleanse you, let's move on. And it talks about these things. Vessels of honor, verse 21. If a man cleanses himself from these things. Mm. Now, verse 23, refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness. Come on. Correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. They may come to their senses, having escaped from the snare of the devil, having held captive by him to do his will. The snare of the devil, coming to their senses. He goes out as a roaring lion, setting snares. I looked up the Greek linguistic key, and it says here, 
first of all, duped by evil influences. First, he comes in to numb the conscience. You may want to write this down. I'm just going to say it out loud to you. If you're not awakened right now to what's happening, you're numb. And you're dull of hearing. And don't get mad at me. Hallelujah. Clean out the earwax. Hallelujah. This is not a game. This is not a drill. We're at the precipice. Come on, folks. Revelation 9-11. I'm not trying to figure out all that's happening. I'm saying I'm not stupid, okay? I see Apollyon raging right now. I see deception released in the earth. I see the frogs of Revelation, the unclean spirits coming on our land. And so what am I doing? I'm looking out for the minds. <laughs> Get behind me in Jesus' name. And what's these snares that he lays? First thing he does, he comes in and he numbs the conscience. Paul says the first thing he does, Paul, as he stood before, he says, I believe in everything written by the law and the prophets concerning the resurrection of the dead. And to this day, I live before God with a clean conscience. We need to live with a clean conscience in this hour. The enemy comes in to numb the conscience. Number two, confuse the senses. And three, paralyze the will. Sounds like TV programming in New York City to me. Numb the conscience, confuse the senses, paralyze the will. And once you're numbed, forget about it, man. You know, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying that you're, you're in the hospital shit, man. You're no good for God. That's what the enemy wants to do. I ain't going to be duped. How about you? The book of Revelation was given to us for a purpose. Let's turn to Revelation 10. Let's see where we're going now. Hallelujah. Revelation 10. Verse 7. Actually, let's start at verse 1. And I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven. Man, this is exciting stuff. Clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. This is not even Jesus. <laughs> Say this, there's more that be with us than be with them. <laughs> and he had in his hand a little book, which was open. And he placed the right foot, his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. And he cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. And when the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it and the earth 
and the things in it and the sea and the things in it and there was and there shall be delay no longer verse 7 i want you to highlight that but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel i don't know if we're in it now but we're getting on mighty close brothers and sisters come on hallelujah in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished, which he has preached to his servants, the prophets. Meaning embedded in the prophetic scriptures of the Bible is the mystery. Hmm. Let's talk about that mystery. Go to the book of Amos, chapter 3. Amos chapter 3, verse 6. If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people tremble? If calamity occurs in a city, has not the Lord done it? How's that for? Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared. Wait to hear that angel roar like a lion. The Lord God, has, who will not fear, the Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? What's so interesting about this is that God does nothing, even though he has the patrolling spirits and all these mysterious things. We talked about the flying squirrel, all those wonderful things. Hallelujah. He will do nothing on earth unless he first reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. What is the word secret counsel here? It is the Hebrew word sod. Say that, sod. Sod means clandestine secret information. That's a counsel. It's the same Hebrew word for the Israeli intelligence agency called the Mossad. Now, do we have access to what the Mossad is doing? No. It's secret. Well, they can go and do all their spying and all those other things. Come on, folks. I want to get into God's clandestine information. And what I know and what I'm hearing in my spirit is that God wants to reveal his mystery to us in this hour. Now it's interesting, that's why we're talking about intimacy so much. You know, we're not, this one's kind of fun. We're talking about the bridal fire, God's preparing his bride, but this bride is wearing army boots. And she's flipping down the night vision goggles. (laughs) Because we got some things to do before we go home. We got some more guests to bring to the wedding. We got some more guests to wake up. And there's some guests that have invited that aren't responding. It's time to kick them out because we need their chair. So don't be shaking what God's doing in this hour. And we've been talking about intimacy. The glory of the Lord. 
the intimacy, knowing, is gonna f- knowing this glory is going to fill the earth. Okay, great, we're going to glory, but God has some other things in that. He wants us to hear his mystery before he unveils it on earth. We prophesy in part, we know in part. The same word, the secret counsel, is found in Proverbs chapter 3. Turn with me to Proverbs 3. Verse 32. Hebrew word sowed is found here. For the crooked man is an abomination to the Lord. But he is intimate with the upright. Little Hebrew is his private counsel is with the upright. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that gets me more excited than any market train on CNBC. Let's conclude with a few scriptures about the mystery of God to whet your appetite for hydroplaning Bible studies. Mm. Romans 16 as we conclude. What God is doing tonight, whether you know it or not, He is downloading mysteries into your heart. (laughs) Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to the obedience of faith to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Make a left-hand turn to chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 25. I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. (laughs) (laughs) That's really going to cause the devil to overdose on Prozac. 144,000 wild Jewish evangelists, man. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 17. That the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is his exceeding greatness. Say that. Exceeding greatness. Of his power to us who believe. Chapter 3. Are you ready for this now? Chapter 3, verse 2. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery. Verse 4. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Messiah, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men. What we're saying here is that there is coming a 
future, not to cancel out what we have written, but there's coming these last days a future disclosure of all that the prophets have spoken. Hallelujah. We're going to see things as God's seals are being opened. Hallelujah. Which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, verse 5, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit, in the wind, in the breath. Come on. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, in which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. Ministry is all about unveiling the, the mystery to the masses. Not being an echo of somebody else's teachings, but a voice from heaven. And God told me tonight during worship, he said, there's people here that his ministry is going to be coming out of these meetings. Hallelujah. And you're going to be prophets and apostles coming out in the future days. People sitting here. Hallelujah. You may think of yourself as Elmer Fudd. Come on. Doesn't matter. Hallelujah. God's going to use people here to show forth his glory, speak forth his mystery. Verse 10, you ready? Verse 9, and to bring to light the administration. What is the administration? Come on. What is the administration of this mystery? Don't tell me you're a bean counter, an accountant, a CPA, and you're so earthbound. You're so logistically, you're so, the, you have the ana- uh, paralysis of analysis, and you sit around and say you're a church elder. And tell me, well, I got to keep things balanced, you know. I, we got to keep things all under control. Give me a break. If you're called to the government of God, your job is to administrate the mystery of God. Hallelujah. That's why most Bible schools are not run by apostles and prophets, they're run by administrators. And when the prophets, apostles start coming up in their midst, they get all scared and have to control everything. Because they're not called to run the Bible schools. Hallelujah. The apostles are. Thank God. God's changing that too. Come on, folks. Catch verse 9 now. And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things in order. Say, in order. order. That the manifold wisdom of God. Say that. The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. To the rulers, come on, say that. To the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This cleanup in Revelation is not just left to the angels. It's left to the church too, hallelujah. To make known the mystery of God to the principalities and powers, hallelujah. That their time is running short and it's time for the church of God to arise. And the mysteries and the seven pills of thunder, something is going on, folks. You feel it? I personally like getting up in the morning and saying, Abba, I love you. How many scuds can we take out today? Hallelujah. (laughs) Nothing like the smell of napalm in the morning, Lord. And then God starts using you like the bait. 
Let me put you out in the situation. Because there's a three-dimensional chess game going on in your life right now. We live in this dimension. The devil's in the second dimension, second heaven, atmospheric dimension. The devil's like, ah, I got him. I got him. We're the bait. The devil goes, jump, check. You're not going to make it. You're not going to pay your rent. Gotcha. And you look up and say, Abba, who's in the third dimension? And I was like, jump, 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 checkmate. When your back is up against the Red Sea, it's time to make known the manifold mystery of God's wisdom. And you'll only know this prophetic boldness if you spend time intimacy with him. And you'll stand up and you'll tell all the yellow bellies out there, shut up. You'll see these Egyptians, their bodies will be bloated tomorrow on the the shoreline of this ocean. Stand still. Hallelujah. You're speaking forth the mystery of God. Hallelujah. See the glory of God. This battle is not yours. It's God's. And Alba gets the glory. And we draft behind his car in the lead. Hallelujah. (laughs) You see it, folks? Through the church, verse 10. This manifold wisdom, this mystery will be known, made known to the rulers and the authorities and the powers. Verse 12 in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations. Why? I'm the bait. Don't worry about it. Come on. On your behalf, therefore, your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before Abba, for whom every family in heaven derives its name. He would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit, his wind. Oh, yeah. In the inner man. So that Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. You're being rooted and granted. Let me have a comfort of all the same that brings me back that night. And in all the love of Messiah, which is the best of all love to be filled with the fullness of God. <laughs> Not of him who is able to drop his guillotine on your brain stem. To do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we ask, think, dream, or imagine, according to the power. What power? The power of his wind, his spirit, his breath. We're people of the wind, folks. To him be the glory in the church. I love the Greek here. It says, exceeding abundantly is actually super abundantly. Beyond all measure, the form of this word is used of the highest form of <laughs> the highest form of comparison imaginable. That's the mystery I want to know. That's the place I want to hang out. We'll conclude with Colossians chapter one. Verse twenty three. This is for every person in the building right now.
Every one of us are here on a Monday night to be downloaded with a fresh prophetic. He's going to reveal to you. He's going to come to you in the night hour, in the morning hour. Who knows? Lunch hour. I don't know when. Hallelujah. He'll come to you and he'll walk to your garden in the cool of the day. And come on, folks. Hallelujah. Don't be looking for fig leaves. Come on. Live right. So when those windows of time open up, hallelujah. Come on. He'll come and fellowship with you. What's fellowship? Two fellows in a ship. Man, it's so much here. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, were the things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet now has reconciled you in the fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a servant or minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. Man, come again? I don't hear people doing that much. Rejoicing in their sufferings? For your sake. And in my flesh I do share on behalf of his body, which is the church, and filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, and I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God that the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and the generations, but now has been manifest to his saints to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory, this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Messiah in you, the hope of glory. And we proclaim him, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, and we present every man complete in the Messiah. For this purpose I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. I'm working for that end, folks. One more, chapter 4, verse 3. Praying at the same time for us as well, chapter 4, verse 3, that God may open for us a door for the word so we may speak forth the mystery of Messiah for which we've been imprisoned. This mystery, this word is so dangerous to the enemy. And do whatever he can to imprison it, to stop it. Hallelujah. Selah. <laughs> There's an impartation happening tonight. <laughs> and not with your mind. Your mind, will, your mind will catch up later. Hallelujah. It's in your spirit. There's an impartation that God is beginning to unfold the mystery of the last days, the mystery that we're to proclaim of Christ in us, the hope of glory, the glory that's coming. Hallelujah.
partners in the Desert International listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming running home to you now. In your name I pray. Amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.